0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: We remain focused on Week 8's big injuries on this episode of Fantasy Football in Fifteen. Everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 for Wednesday, October 28th. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by Derek Van Riper. Week 8 just about upon us, of course, starting on a Thursday night with the Panthers and the Falcons getting together. Should be a fun fantasy game, I think, and maybe we're getting someone back. We'll talk about that a little later. First, Derek, how's it going today?
2: It's going pretty well. How about you?
1: Yeah, I am uh, not doing bad, not doing bad at all. You know, it was uh, it was a weird Tuesday in the NFL news world because you're know, used to injury news coming out on Tuesday, but usually these are uh, clarifications of situations that happened the previous Sunday or from just the Monday night game and you know, those are the ones we're expecting. Maybe a little bit more news from something we already got on Monday, something like that, right? But the two first injuries we're going to talk about here really The news, at least, developments around them came out of nowhere. The first is with Chris Godwin, who suddenly, we learn on Tuesday morning, fractured a finger on his touchdown catch in the Buccaneers' win in Week 7 and suddenly is not going to play on Monday Night Football. This guy just can't. Stay healthy this year. He's healthy for like a game and a half at a time, it seems like. Uh, Going to miss another game if you're looking for a silver lining. It sounds like Week 8 against the Giants is the only game that Chris Godwin is going to miss because of this injury. So a little bit of a silver lining there, I suppose. But this was going to be a juicy matchup. Chris Godwin's managers had to already be very excited about having him active against the Giants. They are no longer going to get the benefit of that. We already know with the deal with the rest of this Buccaneers offense. Antonio Brown will be making his team debut in Week 9. So I ask you, Derek, no Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown for the time being. Scotty Miller had a great Week 7. Seems pretty viable against the Giants in Week 8.
2: Yeah, and we've seen Scotty Miller kind of flash up and, and take on extra targets when Godwin has been unavailable at other stretches this season too. So he looks like the biggest winner Uh, I think things get much more complicated in Week 9, but let's take it one week at a time (laughs) at this point. Definitely a surprise, though, uh, as you mentioned, with this Godwin injury. He played very well, and I've had him in my home league all season, and I've just been so frustrated because he's been really good on a per-target and Mm per-catch basis again. It's just keeping him healthy. A lot of weird, fluky injuries that have slowed him down.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have him exactly the same thing on my home league team, and he's been basically exactly what you drafted him to be. Six for 79 in week one, five for 64 and a touchdown in his second game of the season, week three. Then he comes back in week six, five for 48. We can give him a pass. It was a game where it was his first game back from injury, game the Buccaneers had in hand pretty much all week. And then last week, we finally saw the Chris Godwin that we're really expecting to see. Nine grabs, 88 yards, and a touchdown, and then another injury. So unfortunate that we are talking about about yet another game that he is going to miss. You mentioned Scotty Miller has been productive in Chris Godwin's absences. Some of his best games have come with Godwin out of the lineup. You go back, first of all, just one week, and he had six catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. So that's what he's coming off of, playing alongside Chris Godwin. Go back to week four, uh, which was the last game. No, Godwin missed week five against the Bears, too. Uh, Scotty Miller didn't have a catch in that game. The game before that, five grabs for 83 yards and a touchdown against the Chargers. With Godwin out of the lineup. So you got to feel good about Scotty Miller in week eight. Monday night football against the Giants. If you can grab him, this is a ready made replacement for anyone who does have Chris Godwin. Go ahead, grab Scotty Miller, throw him in your lineup. You likely will not be disappointed. Let's move on to the next one that I referenced at the top of the show here, Derek. Christian McCaffrey suddenly uh, is potentially in play for the Panthers. Thursday night football. Against The Falcons apparently had a dramatic moment at practice on Tuesday. He was at practice on Monday wearing a red non-contact jersey, came out on Tuesday wearing that same red non-contact jersey, tore it off wearing his regular jersey underneath. So he participated in practice in a limited fashion. Matt Rule is hopeful that Christian McCaffrey will be able to go against the Falcons on Thursday. Now, this might be something that Christian McCaffrey managers would rather see him just wait it out a week, get another 10 days worth of rest to recover from the ankle injury and come back ready to roll in week nine. But if he plays every Christian McCaffrey manager in the world is going to have him in their lineup and hope that he is back to being mostly Christian McCaffrey. So that's not really interesting. What's interesting to me is how would you feel about Mike Davis? Because, I don't know if we could expect the full-on Christian McCaffrey, but we're also not going to get anything from Matt Rule or this Carolina coaching staff that says, yeah, you know, we're going to put him out there, but he's only going to play 50% of the snaps. I don't think we're going to get that sort of transparency. So if you are flying sort of blind into this situation, but you know that Christian McCaffrey will play, how confident would you be in also playing Mike Davis?
2: I think it's kind of a desperation situation for Mike Davis once McCaffrey's back, whether that's this week or in an upcoming week. I mean, we're talking about a guy that gets four yards per carry, has an active role in the passing game, but Christian McCaffrey is one of the best pass-catching running backs that we've ever seen. And unless they're going to find a way to put both of them on the field together, I just don't see enough volume being there for Mike Davis to stay in lineups once McCaffrey is back. I think the follow-up question is, Do you see him as being someone that you're holding on to in shallow leagues with McCaffrey's return? Do you see enough potential value, again, should McCaffrey have a setback to kind of use Davis as a lottery ticket on your bench at this point?
1: Yes, shallow leagues, I'm definitely not cutting him before this game, even if we get word that McCaffrey is playing. But if McCaffrey plays and nothing happens with him, then I'm probably letting Mike Davis go at that point. In deeper leagues, even in like 12-teamers where you start – You know, two backs, three receivers, and a flex. I'm probably still holding on to him for a week or two here unless I'm really needy. And that's certainly possible with all the buys and the injuries that we have across the league right now. It's definitely possible that you would be needy, but he wouldn't be my first cut in a vacuum. I'd still be looking elsewhere. He still does have uh, a really supreme handcuff value, as we have seen over these last few weeks with Christian McCaffrey out and maybe you could get something out of him. Uh, Maybe he still retains some sort of role in Carolina's offense. So I don't think I'm cutting him. Would you be looking to get rid of him in that standard 12-team, two-back, three-receiver flex setup?
2: I think in those leagues I'd be looking at him as a hold once McCaffrey is back. Again, can't emphasize that enough. You need to see McCaffrey playing before you even think about this. But I'm talking like eight, 10-team leagues, some of the smaller leagues out Mm -hmm. there. I think you may run into a situation eventually – where Davis, despite the fact that he was pretty much an automatic start during McCaffrey's absence, becomes a player that you may have to let go in some of those formats.
1: Yeah, I think 10 team or two back, three receiver flex. He's someone who you can let go immediately when you see Christian McCaffrey back and playing, you know, his usual compliment or something used to his you close to his usual compliment of snaps so Mike Davis uh, you really can't be sad about that either he has definitely given you all you could have possibly expected and then some since Christian McCaffrey has been out that could come to an end this week and we think if if, if the Panthers are really saying it could come to, to an end this week gotta believe it comes to an end next week
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
1: All right, Derek, it was just uh, 24 hours ago that we were getting ourselves kind of excited about Christian or about Carlos Hyde. I think I put something in there like uh, he's. He uh, is not as good as Chris Carson, but clearly they want to use him like Chris Carson after what we saw. 15 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown in the loss to the Cardinals in Week 7. And then another one of these injuries that it's like, what? Where did this come from? Carlos Hyde apparently suffered a hamstring injury in that game. He popped up on the early practice estimation injury report for the Seahawks. We know Chris Carson is going to be out this game. Rashad Penny, he's nowhere near returning. Travis Homer has a bruised knee as of the moment that we are talking Talking here, Derek, DJ Dallas is the only healthy back on Seattle's roster. So, first of all, if you are in a league listening to this where DJ Dallas is available. Unless you are totally stacked and you really have no one you can afford cutting, he's probably somebody you want to pick up. But let's spin this forward to Sunday. Seahawks, a big NFC West game against the San Francisco 49ers. If DJ Dallas is the only guy active for the uh, for the Seahawks or at least the, the most healthy running back that they have, I'm sure they'll bring someone up from the practice squad at the very least if Carlos Hyde is unable to go. I, I'm we're, I like Boston Scott territory. I feel like that's where I would place him somewhere in that realm, maybe a little less just because of the fact that we've never really seen him in that sort of role.
2: Yeah, I, I think Gio Bernard, Boston Scott, the replacement who gets volume because they don't have a lot of viable alternatives is the right. fair comp. The matchup's also pretty tough as well for as banged up as that San Francisco defense is. They've been pretty stingy against opposing running backs this season. If They're this banged up when we get to Friday. I would expect to have seen some sort of move someone added from the practice squad, a free agent addition. The problem this year, though, free agent addition has got to go through the COVID protocol. So Mm -hmm. it's not as easy to just bring somebody in midweek and have them play on Sunday. So I would say that DJ Dallas is 100% worth the pickup just on a speculative basis right now. I don't think you have to go crazy with your fab budget bids on him either, but he, should, he could have a path to 15 touches with ease if these injuries that we're talking about end up limiting most or all of these backs come Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Hyde and Homer really are both out here, I really don't see what sort of uh, options the Seahawks are going to have. As you said, you've you got to go through COVID protocols to be active for a game. So uh, Devontae Freeman was signed on a Wednesday. Uh, after the Saquon Barkley injury. And he was active for that first game that he was on the Giants roster. He got five carries for 10 yards. So even if they sign a street-free agent... Uh, you can't imagine that he's going to have really a meaningful role in Seattle's offense. you got to be able, and he's not going to have any pass-catching role, right? I mean, they're not going to take someone off the street on Wednesday and throw him in there protecting Russell Wilson on passing downs uh, four days later. That's just not going to happen against a defense like San Francisco's. I mean, they wouldn't do it against any defense, but especially against a defense like that. So at the very least, if we have no hide, no homer, you're going to see a lot of DJ Dallas in the passing game. And as great as Russell Wilson has been, he can't just drop back 55 times, 60 times uh, and and expect Seattle to come out of this game with a victory. So you could be looking at a very cheap, very gettable option right now in DJ Dallas, who ends up giving you, I think if you're being realistic, you could see RB two flex worthy numbers coming out of him this week. And Hey, It's a pretty good guy to go out and get given all the injuries that we have at the position, plus four more teams on by this week. Speaking of Devontae Freeman, he was a non-participant in practice on Tuesday. We're getting early practice information, of course, this week. That really doesn't mean too much just yet. Uh, This is a game that will be played on Monday against the Buccaneers. Of course, the, the Giants haven't played since last Thursday, so as much time off as possible. So Devontae Freeman could certainly be back in the fold. Wayne Gallman would step in. Neither one of them feels like a great play against the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. So let's just blow right past that and go to our last news item of the day. He is back. Throw up the X. Dez Bryant signs with the Ravens. He is on the practice squad right now. This has been a flirtation that has been going on for months. Dez, of course, worked out with the Ravens back in August. Couldn't come to an agreement back then. But he is now on the practice squad for the Ravens. And this sort of signing, Derek, I I just don't see... Des being interested or the Ravens being interested, unless he was for sure going to be on the active roster at some point, right? This is like in baseball when you sign a guy to a minor league deal in spring training, and you know for sure he's going to be making the team out of spring training. Uh, this is what this feels like to me, and I mean, could he be a little bit interesting in deep leagues? This is a team that... You know, beyond Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, they really haven't had anything reliable in the passing game this season. And even those two guys haven't been what they were expected to be back during draft season. I mean, he still can be an effective guy in the red zone at the very least as Bryant. I think there might be a little bit at the very least of deep league intrigue here. And maybe even one of those standard 12-team, two-back, three-receiver flex leagues that he could be interesting in those leagues as well. I wish I
2: shared your optimism, but we're talking about a guy who will turn 32, I think, next week, and he hasn't caught a pass in an NFL game since 2017, so I guess I'm tempering my expectations just based on the fact that we haven't seen him on the field in almost three full years now. At his peak, a great player and dealt with a ton of injuries that kind of changed the way people perceived him at the end of his time in Dallas, so maybe now with complete health, that red zone role you described kind of seems like a ceiling. I just worry that he's going to be a low-volume sort of player if he does make it into the fold with the Ravens. I mean, Mark Andrews is the one, effectively, there. You know, Hollywood Brown's going to stretch the field. If Bryant becomes the third option in that passing game, is there enough volume each and every week for him to be fantasy viable? I don't think so, but hey, in a league like the Scott Fishbowl, those massive leagues out there, you could take worse flyers than Des Bryant I guess
1: Oh you could definitely take worse flyers and I'm just saying man there are Three guys on this team, two guys on this team, who have at least 20 catches, Andrews and Marquise Brown. The next most catches on the team is a three-way tie between Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, and J.K. Dobbins with 11 catches. 11 catches is good for third most on the Ravens. Through six games, we're not, not even averaging two catches per game. That's good for third most on this team. Marquise Brown leads the way with 376 yards receiving. Mark Andrews is at 243. There's room in this passing game for one more person to step up, and I just don't think they make this signing, and I don't think Des Bryant is interested if he doesn't have a realistic shot to be that guy. So just deep league interest for now, but definitely something to keep your eye on, and that is where we are going to leave it. I'm throwing up an X to say this is the end of this episode of Fantasy Football In 15, Derek Van Riper and I will be back with you right here, same time, same space, on Thursday. We'll be talking some Thursday Night Football between the Falcons and the Panthers. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.